from a wide array of secure top secret locations throughout South Texas. This is the first Spurs Insider podcast of the year 2021. I am Mike Finger, as usual, joined by Express News Sports Editor Nick Talbot and Tom Ringo Starr Orsborne and Jeff, Mr. Sensible McDonald. As I've always said on this podcast, Jeff McDonald provides the most reasoned takes, as he proved again last week, trying to warn the listeners of the Spurs Insider podcast that expectations should be tempered. There should be no overreaction to the two opening season losses. And that's exactly uh, what ended up ensuing after that podcast. It was a rough week for the Spurs, but Jeff, this is kind of what you expected. Whose ridiculous hot take is not ridiculous? I've always said Jeff McDonald brings the reason, brings the sanity. It's the uh, it's the old uh, it's the old uh, water boy line. Oh no, we suck again. That's uh, that's one way to look at it. But I mean, this this schedule was just kind of uh, exactly exactly. We said this earlier. We said this last week that the the in, in pop actually said that this week too. This is going to be a rough week for the old Spurs record, but but good for their long term development. And we'll see if the second part of that um, holds true. But the first certainly has. They they've lost. Uh, what are we up to four in a row now after after the loss to the Jazz and going on the road for a five game road swing? So yeah, the, the record is not is not looking pretty right now. Um, I don't think they played except for the game against Utah. I don't think they played too poorly in in, in the others. So uh, in that in that regard, I don't know that it's really unexpected or even cause for alarm. Has Last week, we kind of ended this, and I know we like to have fun with the wild swings of expectations and overreacting to the latest result. And, you know, we ended last week talking about how at least this is a team that's going to remain in the playoff race or in the hunt for for much of the season. That really didn't change much this past week, did it? I mean, this still looks like a team that's probably going to um, at least be in the hunt. It's going to play better against poor teams than it does against the Lakers. I mean, that was what back-to-back games against the Lakers. Uh, the, the the four-game losing streak also includes a trip to New Orleans and that that ugly one yesterday against Utah. But but Tom, what did did your expectations for this team change much over the past week? No, I'm kind of in agreement with Jeff. It's not you know it's way 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 too early to push a panic button. But you know, I think against Utah having Derek wide out again with that, you know, as pop called it, bad luck, toe injury, bad, bad luck, toe injury, you know, that kind of probably threw him for a loop and it certainly affected their perimeter defense with all the threes. But uh, yeah, it's just a, it's been unfortunate for those guys, you know, first having Derek out and then LA's out, Derek comes back, LA's out, Derek's out. So it's just kind of hard to get, cohesion at the moment yeah the worst thing that happened for the Spurs since our last podcast was not you know a four-game losing streak it was having Derek White come back and then re-injuring his toe and as we talk here today we really don't know the extent of that injury whether it's a short-term thing or or um something more alarming than that because it is the toe that he just had surgically repaired spent four months or, or whatever uh rehabbing got on the floor for one game and near the end of that game stubs it and it's they're calling it a sprain and we really don't know how long he's going to be out. And I think that that's really the, the if you're looking for, for uh, 
clouds in your silver, silver linings. I think that's that's the cloud from, from this week is that that they really needed Derek White to come back. He was back and now he's hurt again. Yeah, some of the you know, some of the fans were speculating Saturday night when the injury report came out and he was listed as out that it was an injury management situation. But Jeff, uh, I, I remember telling you Saturday in a text that it just in his interview after the game, you could tell he seemed to me, he seemed distracted a little bit down, just a little bit off. And uh, that kind of led me to believe that maybe it was, maybe it was something much serious, more, more serious than just a load management deal. It's odd that it didn't come up post game. And I guess part of it is yeah. we didn't see it, you know, on, no. on TV. Even yesterday when pop said you could see it on film, what happened, I, I kind of was going back and forth with some of the, Spurs TV guys, like, did you guys see it? Did you have video of it? And they had to, like, comb through and find, I think it was here. I'm not sure. Like, it was very, it was, when he re-injured it, it was not obvious to anybody watching at home, which is what we're doing right now. And so nobody asked about it after the game. Um, Derek didn't bring it up after the game. Um, he was very quick to get on the Zoom after the game, which I don't know if you want to surmise, you know, if he was being looked at by doctors, he would have taken longer to get on the Zoom. I really, um I think the injury report Saturday uh, surprised us for sure. And if it surprised Derek's teammates, you could, you could uh, understand that it was a little bit of a bummer for everybody yesterday. Jeff, have you gotten a ruling um, from anybody with the Spurs or with the league as to the exact protocols for when a player could join a team during a road trip? Is that possible? This is in terms of what they have a five game trip coming up. Yeah. And, uh, um, Obviously, he's not going to play in the first game, but when does he need to join? Does he have to be there for the whole thing to play at all? Uh, what, what I was told yesterday is that it's, uh, quote, very difficult to, re- to join a, t- a, a tr- mid-trip um, under, this, under the, um, under the uh, protocols as they are now, and that, that more than likely um, Derek would go on the trip whether he's cleared to play or not, just, just so he can be on the road with them. I, I, he, he went to, he went to Memphis, he went to new Orleans, even though he was on the injury report is out for those games. So I would, I, I'm, I'm kind of guessing here. I would expect him to be on the trip with hopes that he could play maybe by the end of it. Um, but I, because if you leave him home, odds are he's probably going to stay home. And, and to explain this to our, our listeners, which I mean, grow by leaps and bounds every, every week and number, thanks to Jeff's reasonableness. Um, this is because players can't travel on their own without going through quarantine again, basically, right? Right, right, exactly, exactly. If, if Derek would jump on a Southwest flight, like Tim Duncan used to do back in the day, um, he would have to sit out and, and isolate and that kind of thing. It would, so, defeat, it would defeat the purpose. Right, right. So, um, the Spurs are dealing with that injury. It's kind of odd that the the fact that they're one of their two former all-stars, LaMarcus Aldridge, has been out all week for several games, and that's kind of an afterthought. I think they have not won a game without LaMarcus Aldridge this year. I just want to point that out. <laughs> exactly. Um, they have not won a game without LA. They've not won a game. They're they're oh uh, they're oh and four when LA plays twenty minutes or less. That's uh that's an impressive yeah. stat there. Play him, and, play him 40 and you're going to the finals, baby. And even if he's not what he once was, even if he's not the focal point of the team, playing four games in a row without your starting center now, um, that's going to leave a mark 
Um, right. and, and also it's the teams you're playing. Yes. Like the Lakers are so big. And, and um, I mean, Utah's Rudy, not Rudy the top, but they've got, they've got Gobert, yeah. So it becomes a domino effect where you're probably having to rely on Drew Eubanks too much. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, Trey Lyle started last year and he had a pretty good year. He's, he's not played much this year. When he has played, he hasn't looked uh, as good as he did last year. It just creates a domino effect where you're playing guys that, that um, are not as good as LaMarcus Aldridge. Right, right. How, other than no Derek White, no LaMarcus Aldridge, how do y'all think that the the rest of the crew look? Jeff mentioned that they didn't play poorly other than um, obviously that Utah game on Sunday. Uh, the, the two Lakers games, they hung in pretty well with the, with the defending champs. And, and by the way, a defending champion that might look better this year than they were last season. Um, they could have won that second game. Yeah. That game was tied going to the final minute. The the Kelvin Johnson experiment continue. I don't even. I guess it's not an experiment. It's not an experiment. The no. Kelvin Johnson experience continues to um, impress. I think that kid just looks like he belongs, and um, you know he's kind of playing out of position in a way. I, I realize we're we're in the era of positionless basketball, but he's having to guard again. I mean, last week we talked about Siakam and. Uh, and Zion that he had guarded. And now he's into LeBron James this week, just continues to hold his own. That's got to be a really um, upbeat, encouraging note for the Spurs to see that guy playing well. Um, the brightest free, spot of the season, Pop, Pop, Pop called him yesterday. Feel free, anybody else, to jump in on, the, on, on what else you've seen from the non-LaMarcus uh, Aldridge, Derek White Spurs. Yeah, Keldon, you know, it's not only his his play, but I guess just his personality and, you know, the intangibles that he brings, they all, you know, they all kind of feed off his energy. And, um, uh, you know, he's he's been incredible, really, um, considering all that time in the G League last year. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's, you know, Rudy Gay's gotten off to a slow start. Um, he's really shooting poorly from – from outside and uh you know he mentioned that the quick turnaround and the lack of you know the three such such a short preseason of seemed to affected him and you know he's mentioned in a zoom uh call last week he's still trying to fit in um you know and of course he was there in the bubble but you know that's that's been uh that's been a uh, a point of concern for them is just his slow start I think going back to Kelvin, uh, Kelvin, Keldon, he's either going to break a finger or a hand dunking as hard as he dunks, or he's going to scream himself hoarse yes. after one of these dunks. Jeff, we mentioned uh, before a few podcasts ago that you've been to every uh, you've been to every opening night uh, Spurs game since 2006. You've been around. You're an old man. You've been around a long time. There were there were years when you wouldn't see as many. Uh, highlight real dunks as you've seen from your Spurs in the past week, right? I mean, this is yeah, for this sure. Is, this is for kind sure. of a new new thing for Spurs fans to see. Not only players, but some of their best players get up and down like that, and get above the rim, and I mean, uh, uh, it's just kind of a it's Wait, it's, it's Kelvin, a fun thing to watch. Keldon never has a cheap one, you know, right? Like all his dunks are like he's gonna rip the dead gum rim off the backboard one of these days i think 
Jeff, he's not here. Jeff skewing younger again with the with the Roy Williams term dad gum. That's that's pretty good. <laughs> um, he's yeah, a great I, mean, I, was, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about the Duncan though. Like we have to have more respect for the game. Uh-huh. I'm not I'm, I'm not in for dunks. I'm too old for dunks. No, I'm kidding. Um, we talked on we've talked on this podcast like the 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 way we measure success for the Spurs this year is almost in individual guys. How do they develop the young guys? How do they develop how they look? So like obviously Keldon's been a big part of that, and I think Dejounte Murray until the Utah game, which mm-hmm. was pretty atrocious for him, um, has had a solid start to the season. He had a career high twenty nine against the Lakers. He had his first career triple double. Um, against uh, Toronto. He does typically play well against LeBron James, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he, I think he's – he had – until the Utah game, he had been one of the more, their more consistent performers this year, too. And I think – and I think, again, with the caveat, before the game where he, he went one of 13, um, he, was, he was a pretty bright spot in, in the start of the season as well. When, when we were talking about expectations for this season uh, before the regular season started – you know what? What fans are looking to see? They're looking. To, they're looking for improvement. They're looking for development. All that kind of stuff. But you also just wanted a fun team to watch, and I think that's been a check mark so far. I mean, you you in those in those Lakers games, they didn't turn out the way the Spurs wanted. But there are moments in there when you see fast breaks, including uh, Dejounte to Lonnie Walker to Kelvin Johnson, and just kind of anticipating who's going to finish it. It's, it's a, it's a new style of basketball. And I think, you know, we talked about how they wanted to push the pace. They're continuing to push the pace. They're shooting a lot of three pointers. If, if nothing else, you know, they're, they're at least as entertaining as they've been uh, over the past few years. And, uh, you know, seeing all those guys, all those young guys kind of fit in to Mars still looking like he's a part of this. I, I, I think there's, there's lots of stuff to build on uh, moving forward, not only in the future, but, but also for the rest of this year. Yeah. I, 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 you know, they're two and four, but they, they've been kind of what you expect or what you hoped for. I mean, again, we're not, we're not going to really be able to judge this, this season by the record because they may make the playoffs. They may not, that's not really the point. And then we've been over that ground on this podcast before. So, Yeah. Uh, the other big story last week was the maybe the big story last week was the first female uh, head coach in oh, NBA yeah. history. <laughs> oh yeah, that happened. Uh, this this male dominated podcast overlooks this until the fifteenth minute of the podcast that, as a symbolic nod to the history of men overlooking women. I guess. No, I just, I just think we, I think we are so woke that it didn't even register. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's true. It's a yeah, long time I mean, coming. I didn't, I, I, it, right. I didn't write three thousand words on the topic this week or anything like that. <laughs> I guess it, ref, it reflects too just what the Spurs players and coaches said. We, we expected it. She's, you know, it, it. I know it's, I know it's huge news, of course, but you know, she's more than qualified it was just uh you know it's something we all came to expect and we thought it would happen we thought have, it would happen last year right we, we also might have overlooked it because we suck at podcasting that, that's yeah, another, that's another that, one yeah that's obvious that's obvious uh to to tom's point um 
The big theme of Becky Hammond, not only this past week, but through her tenure with the Spurs, has been how uh, how little the people who are around think that it's unusual. Um, I might have put that poorly, but I mean, the, the, like the, the players don't see it as anything special. She clearly belongs. Pop doesn't see it as you know. He he said over and over again, he's he he didn't do it to make history. Um, you ask players from top to bottom what they thought about her becoming the first female head coach in NBA history for that one night. And nobody really even noticed because she's just a coach. And I think it's, it's, it's fair to say that two things can be true at one, at, at one time. Uh, it was a undoubtedly historic moment, uh, it, meaningful for a lot of people, not only in basketball, but just in the world as, as, as another kind of milestone for, for women in, in sports. Um, that can be true. And, and within the Spurs itself, they can see it as no big deal. And I, I think that that's kind of fine. It, it makes sense. And it's a tribute to her that um, they, they just kept doing their, their business. They kept, they kept business as usual when she took over. Yeah, it was a much bigger deal maybe for the league and, fans in general than it was for the Spurs because for the Spurs was like you said it was business as usual because she's been coaching them for so long they see her as a coach and if you're outside of that bubble you look at it and see it as this big moment you know big moment for for women in sports but for the Spurs it's you know she's just coach and it's been the way it is but what was kind of funny about it um the, the Spurs could have made a much bigger deal about it than they did and this has been true of her entire tenure. Um, and, and the other night when this was the first game against the Lakers, when Popovich got ejected, there were some people saying, oh, obviously Becky Hammond takes over. None of us watching from our secure locations on TV and the TV broadcast crew didn't jump to that conclusion either because we learned from last year that it might not have been her. And so the rest of the game is played out um, on this historic night without the Spurs even confirming that she was the head coach. So it was we were kind of in this weird spot of not being able to say what was happening because last year we assumed that Becky had taken over for Pop and it turned yeah. out after the game that, that Pop had given it to Tim. So for people to say that this was a stunt, like it, it, they didn't do a very good job with the publicity if it was a publicity oh. stunt. <laughs> Um, because of the things you mentioned earlier, Pop has been almost weird about it since Becky took over, not making a big deal out of it, right? And downplaying it. And I mean, he's gone overboard the other way, I think. Yeah. Um, he. So yeah, so it's it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to say this was some kind of publicity stunt because <laughs> they didn't they didn't really want the publicity that they got for it right he opened his comments ahead, uh, he opened his comments on friday pregame you know two two days after becky uh, took over the uh, head coaching duties that um you know he pointed out that she had scouted the lakers and right. that that has been what they've always done the assistant Always. Well, not not always with Tim. You're right. Last year. You're right. I stand corrected. I stand corrected. Yeah. But I wonder uh, if I Will Hardy to... had scouted the Lakers, what he would have done. Like for a hundred years, it was if Pop gets kicked out, PJ Carlissimo yeah. takes I... over because he's the lead 
the assistant or Mike Budenholzer takes over because he's the lead assistant. Uh, I was wrong. Yeah. takes over because right. he's the lead assistant. So that, I, that, I, 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 uh, you know, far be it for me to correct. But Jack I was Popovich, quoting Pop. I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> right. Right. Tom, Tom, I'm not you sure were exactly. Wrong. That's how it's always worked. Tom, you weren't wrong. You were quoting a, 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 a line of um, explanation that's not from, from the Spurs that wasn't totally accurate. I mean, up until last year, that's not right. how they did it. Yeah. And by the way, like Will Hardy is highly respected. They, they think a lot of him. Uh, there are people who think that he's going to be head coach in this league sometime. This is no slight to Will Hardy. But if if they had done a thing the other night where Will Hardy was the person who scouted this, the Lakers and he got that gig ahead of Becky, even though I think Beck, Will's been in the organization longer, like that, that would have been a bad look. Like, yeah, it would have been. I, I think you could almost get away with it last year by saying, well, it's Tim Duncan. Right. Right. Of course it's going to be Tim Duncan because it's Tim Duncan. Yeah, that's kind of what they did. Yeah. I don't know that you could get away with that anymore. You right. know, well, it's Will Hardy. Well, it's Mitch Johnson. Of course you're going to give it to Mitch Johnson. Yeah. Well, when, when um, does she get a head coaching job? I mean, certainly should happen. <laughs> you know, at this point, it's just a no brainer. What, what that's a tough one. The, yeah. the reaction that the Spurs players had during that game, I think only furthers her case. Yeah. And also the yeah. comments they made that, this, you know, that this is no big deal. The, the idea that she would be a dis, this just sounds absurd for me to even say it, but this is the kind of emails that we get like that she'd be a distraction to have a woman as a head coach or that, 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 NBA players wouldn't listen to or respect her. I mean, she, she wields as much influence. Um, uh, her words carry as much weight as lots and lots and lots of coaches have around the league. And I think that um, this is an argument for why it's a good thing that Becky takes over on one night, just because it kind of normalizes. It kind of right. uh, lets people know that it's no big deal, that it can happen. And that I think only should further her case if uh, if a job comes open, whether it's in San Antonio real, or elsewhere. Yeah, the only real I don't know if the argument is a word, but the whole, I mean, she may not get a head coaching job soon or ever because there's only thirty of them. Right. There's a lot of great assistant coaches that never become head coaches. That's right. really the only reason why she wouldn't end up with one of these jobs. I mean, you look like Ime Odoka could be a head coach somewhere, and he hasn't been, and he may never be. Right. There's there's tons of those kind of guys guys and now women in the NBA, um, but I I don't I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think her gender will or should be an, an obstacle for her to get one of those jobs. It just may be that there's not that many and not many come open every year. What is what is falling by the wayside? What what should be dismissed are just the the really stupid, ignorant, uh, bigoted reasons for not doing it you know that she 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 didn't play the game she she has more professional basketball playing experience than the rest of the spurs yeah. coaching staff I, combined I, I made that, that i made that point the yeah. other day too yeah you know, i haven't i haven't scored a point or grabbed a rebound in the nba and i'm where i'm at for some reason so like, yeah that's one like who, who would you want in a one-on-one -on -one game uh becky hammond or stan van gundy I think that should be a televised event. Jeff, Jeff made a good point in that, you know, it might never happen, but 
the stupid reasons for it not happening are are becoming more and more apparently stupid. So uh, I think that's a lot of stupid kind of things happen though. That's that's kind of the going just point. I think that's still going right. to be part of it. I mean, I don't want to say that no matter how much she deserves it, she's going to get it because I think there's still a lot of poorly run organizations out there that may have their stupid reasons. And right. I think that's kind of sad, yeah. but it's, it's, I don't want to, you know, especially with everything going on in the world, I, I don't want to say that that's not going to be part of why she doesn't get a job because I think there's plenty of people out there who are still ignorant. Yeah. Right. I, I think it's, the NBA is ready for it or, or it's, it's come a long it way. Come I remember long back, way. you know, I remember back in the, what they, the nineties when they started having female referees and it was an uproar. I remember Charles Barkley just, just cannot believe they let girls referee. And the, the, the fact that, I mean, I, I honestly believe it's not just lip service when the Spurs players say we don't. Oh, I don't think the Spurs will have lip service same. whatsoever. I think the Spurs are all yeah, in. I mean, and that's one reason I think the, the Spurs are, you know, obviously a better fit with maybe with Becky than a lot of other teams would be, but just because they've been more prepared. But it's just. I think the fact that she played probably goes a long way too. Like, like a lot of these guys watched mm-hmm. her play in, in the WNBA and have respect for her as a player. I think it might be hard for a female who never played the game at the professional level. As sad as it seems, you, you couldn't get a Greg Popovich version right. of, a, of a female right now. I think that would be a harder, maybe, maybe a harder sell to some some um, players. Yep. But the fact that they saw her play with her with their own eyes, know her uh, game, know her mental toughness, know her understanding of the game. I think that all goes a long th- way. Towards, and I think the uh, coaching normalizing. One thing that just, I think normalize it that we haven't really addressed. I think the coaching tree matters too. You know, she's going to come from the Greg Popovich yeah. coaching tree. And I, I think that serves her yeah. almost more than her play, the fact that she played. Um, I don't know. I can't, I can't count how many, I'd have to really think about how many coaching trees we now have with Popovich here, but it's getting pretty extensive. In the interesting. Industry. Interesting that, you know, Pop suggested that there's a, there's a whole untapped pool of talent out there, you know, women, women coaches and uh, right. It's kind of interesting. The Spurs were at the forefront of uh, the international players coming over. And uh, here they are again at the forefront of uh, what could be another wave of, uh, you know, something we haven't seen, but should have happened a long time ago. Something Papa said over and over again, or or not with these words, but it's, it's not about being woke or politically correct or, or even, even doing anything historic. It's, it makes good business sense. Right to consider 50% of the population for jobs that no one else is considering. I mean, yeah. that's that you find better people that way. Right. And that goes with not in only a, in men and women, but diversity of all kinds. I mean, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice if you just exclude a segment of the population from um, consideration for, for jobs. So, And in, in a male dominated world like the NBA has been, it just takes one well-respected smart team to sort of open the door and make it something you can do. When, when Becky was hired, she was the first full-time female assistant in NBA history. That was in 2014. And here we are six years later. Now there's eight, maybe six years from now, they'll, that that will grow exponentially. So um, it, 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 and you know, it, it's kind of, I don't know, maybe it shouldn't have been this way, but if it had been like the Phoenix Suns or some laughingstock organization that was the first to do it, maybe it doesn't have the same effect. But when it's Greg Popovich and R.C. Buford and the San Antonio by God Spurs, you know, opening that door, wow. I think a lot of people take notice wow. and, and will follow them through That's that. That's a great point. All of, all of that 
plays a role. What what the Spurs players have said about it plays a role. And I mean, just this might sound silly, but just the some of the photos from the other night. I mean, those speak yeah. a lot too. There, there's a photo of her in the middle of the huddle and five guys hanging on her every word. I mean, that's that's a powerful image, and it speaks yeah. to um, it speaks to why this should have happened earlier. I mean, how how much respect she does command. Um, not to overestimate one one photo, but photos can be powerful. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, that's that's some good stuff to talk about this week. Uh, we probably should look forward to what's coming up next. As as we mentioned earlier, there's a five game road trip with, that only features the Lakers once, <laughs> rather than uh, rather than the back to back from last week. But still, there's not a whole lot of gimmies coming up, is there? They got to do some good work with the two games in Minnesota and the one against Oklahoma City. Like they got the Clippers, Lakers, and then two Minnesota, then OKC. Those last three, you know, if, if you care about such things as a uh, win-loss record, they, they need to start picking up some wins there. Because right. I don't know if they're going to win the games at the Staples Center, but they got to start picking up the wins against the teams they can, can beat when they're finally on the schedule. Yeah, if you're two and six and then you drop those three, then it starts – then it starts uh, – the panic button starts to look a little bit more appealing to hit um, just because – Two and six isn't going to be anything to panic about, not with who they played, but two games against Minnesota, one game against the Thunder. You got to hopefully win two out of three of those to really right the ship and get back on that seven, eight track, which we all kind of think they're going to be on. I I would think that that winning two of the five overall on this road trip would be, um, they'd be fine with that. Three or five would the be thing that's, huge The thing success. that's interesting to me, and which I'm going to probably write here later on today, is, you know, they're two and four going on a five-game road trip. And, man, that sounds just so daunting in a normal year. But road, a road trip isn't, isn't – there's no such thing as a road game anymore, really. Right. There's very little home court advantage. I just popped that yesterday. He said there's no home court advantage at all. Lonnie Walker says it's just, you're just playing in another gym. You're not – It's there's no crowd. There's no um, – None of that to overcome. So I don't think, and I think, I think the, I'm going to look at for the update today, but um, as of yesterday, I think it was pretty much home teams were about 500 throughout the NBA this year. Mm-hmm. Like there's just really no home court advantage at all. So I, I, I think that, I don't know if it plays in the Spurs favor or not, but it does, it makes that five game trip look like not as much of a gauntlet as it might otherwise be if you had to go play uh, in front of like hostile crowds or whatever. I believe as of Sunday, there were more teams in the league that had not had a home victory than there were teams that had not had a road victory yet. Um, so, yeah, it, it is a different year. As we're going to wind this down, should mention, as usual, that people should get on expressnews.com for what to read what Jeff said he's about to write for more Tom Orsborn stuff for lots of Spurs coverage. Sign up for the Spurs Nation newsletter. Um, any Hot takes and or reasonable assessments before we wind this down. Jeff McDonald, who I saw, has his polar pop as usual on the Zoom. Well, it's not a polar pop today. I went to Taco Cabana, so it's a Taco Cabana cup. You should not have mentioned that without getting sponsorship money from them. We should not mention any. We should not mention any establishment. Maybe that's how we get get that sponsor. Maybe that's how we get it. We've already given you some free pub. Now pay up. Okay. Any, any reason? Any reasonable uh, takes oh, before yeah. we go? Interesting note in the Express News today uh, about the Clippers. <laughs> the 
Clippers staffers, seven members of the LA Clippers support staff returned to LA midway through the team's road trip this weekend to begin a seven-day quarantine after one staff member tested positive for the virus. It it ends by saying the group of quarantine Clippers staffers had eaten together on Thursday in Salt Lake City. Uh, you know, it's it's still out there, you know, right. uh, just a public service announcement. It's still out there. No, that's, and there's, that's a, a, that's a, there's a vaccine, but man, just, let's wear our masks. That's a good way to end it. Um, I'm, I'm going to wear my mask on the next podcast. <laughs> I don't know about you people. I think you should. I think that would be great. As Tom said, it's still out there. Don't stop taking this seriously. If it can affect the Los Angeles Clippers traveling party while eating in Utah, when, when they've been avoiding everybody else, it can affect all of us. The numbers are rising here in San Antonio. Don't let your guard down. And, and as usual, take care of each other while you keep it real. Mm-hmm.